Welcome to the Slingshot Group podcast, where we tackle the leadership topics everyone is thinking about, but no one is talking about. And now, let's join our hosts for today's episode. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slingshot Group podcast. I can hardly believe it, but this episode concludes our third season of the podcast. We've had some great conversations along the way with some amazing people, but we're just getting started. In fact, season four is currently in pre-production and will launch in September. And I have to tell you, season four is going to be so, so good. We're making some exciting changes to the show. We're bringing on some new voices that are going to have a seat at the table. And I know that they're going to add tremendous value to you and to our conversations. You don't want to miss it. So without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Slingshot Group podcast. I'm Vance Martin. I'm joined with my very good friends, Keith Robinson, Dave, David Miller, as always. So let's talk about this big topic. And this is something that uh, it affects, um, it affected all of us in this room. Mm-hmm. And for those of you that um, have a spouse and are in ministry, uh, have a family in ministry, it affects you as well. Uh, ministry is not easy. Uh, a Barna study said, said that 80% of pastors believe that their family was negatively affected because mm-hmm. of the ministry. And wow. to wow. think how how powerful that is, that yeah. I'm a, a pastor and my spouse, my family, my kids, it's negatively affected. The work that I do for God has negatively affected the most important thing in yeah. my life. For me, I read a book several years ago, I don't know if you guys have read this or not, by Andy Stanley called Choosing to Cheat. And I think this might be a great way to set up our conversation. Basically in the book, and if you have not read it, I recommend it. It's an easy read. Um, He says, there is an endless need in the church. You could give all of your time. There's always going to be somebody that needs to be prayed for. There's something to be done, something to be built. It's a black hole of need. Mm. At home, there's always hugs to be given. There's always encouragement to be done. There's parenting that needs to be happened. There's dates that need to happen with your wife. There is an endless black hole of need. Mm-hmm. You have to cheat on somebody. You're choosing to cheat on someone mm-hmm. all the time, whether it's the church or your spouse, your family. Who are you going to choose to cheat on? Mm-hmm. We should always choose to cheat on the church. Because it's fascinating. Because our families, our spouse is the most important. And I think here's where it hits home for me. I've been in ministry my whole life. As you, you, I've shared many times on the podcast, I was a pastor's son. I got married young, got into ministry at 17. I've served five churches. I've only had one wife, and I plan to keep it that way. Mm-hmm. I want, my, my relationship with my wife has lived far beyond the churches that I've served. Hmm. So why is it that as pastors, when we're serving in a church, a, a ministry, that's a season that comes and goes. But the relationship with our families, with our spouse, that should last our lifetime. That's good. No, I think that's really good, Vance. I, that, that stat, man, I'm, I'm still like a little staggered by it. You know, 80% believe that 
being in ministry has negatively affected my my yeah. family. And, and again, we we, we did a, a whole episode in season one about uh, pastors' kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and so translate that eighty percent believe that it has negatively impacted their marriage. Mm-hmm. That 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 is that is such a huge a huge huge stat and and yeah. something that cannot be glossed over. And yet. It is being glossed over. Yeah. Again, the whole concept, you know, these are the things that people are thinking about, but people are not talking about. And 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 what I'm finding is in, in this coaching space that I'm in um, right now with Slingshot Group, a lot of conversations when, when I'm seeing things happening in their ministries that aren't going well, you can track a lot of it back to their home life. Yeah. Th- this thing is happening with my husband. This thing is happening with my wife. There's a, there's something that 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 is a disconnect there. And, um, and when I ask them, well, who, who are you talking to about this? And they're just, well, well you, right. you know, and, and again, as, as an outside coach, I'm not there every day. I'm not, you know, a best friend. I'm, you know, I'm not a, a supervisor or, or a pastor of theirs. And I'm glad they're talking to me. And, and, and even that there are so many that aren't talking to anyone. And I think part of it is there's this shame attached to it. Sure. Yes. There's a shame. It's just expected that if you are in ministry, that obviously everything else in your life is perfect. And to admit that there's something that isn't right. perfect in your context uh, is is a huge, huge deal. Whether real or perceived, it's a huge deal. Yeah. You know, I don't know if it's if if it would really be a huge deal. Probably people would gather around you and love you and care for you. But uh, there's a there's a perception that we have. I know I've had it. That I'm like, I can't tell someone no. what's going on. Yeah. When things are hard in my marriage like i can't well who can't do you have, turn to right well yeah who do you, you, you don't have somebody to, to have that conversation with yeah because when you're in ministry you're everyone's you know you're either their, their boss or their pastor right well this this same this same study that i that i quoted that first stat it also says that 70 percent of pastors don't have somebody right in their life at all of close friend that they yeah. a confidant somebody that they can talk to to trust so that pressure is is then I think compounded because not only are pastors, you know, forced into isolation, um, you know, because out of fear and out of shame of I'm dealing with some stuff, but what actually happens for, for guys that, and, and men and women who are in ministry and things are going well in that ministry, things are moving up and to the right. Cause I can put time and oh, energy yeah. and effort and I can live there all day and all night and I'm guilty in my past of overworking, overfunctioning to the degree that it nearly ruined my marriage. Yeah. And now sitting on the other side of this, looking back and seeing the pain um, and seeing so many things that were missing, there was this pressure to appear as though everything's okay. Yeah. Right? Because the ministry's going well. But then there's this sickening feeling that that you have when you know there's a disconnect that's happening that is not happening at home, and ministry can continue to move up and to the right. Meanwhile, these relationships that, like you said, Vance, that are going to far outlive and outlast any assignment that we've right. been given in ministry. But for so many, like like you, thrust into ministry at a young age. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm blowing and going and things are going well and then all of a sudden isolation has replaced intimacy in my life. Yes. Uh, I feel as though I'm on an island to myself. Uh I'm living with my spouse uh like a roommate. Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden who am I supposed to talk to about that? And we just had record attendance this weekend. Right. Well, it's so enticing because ministry ministry is such a noble cause. Right. 
It's so easy to justify the time and the sacrifice. And ministry is a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I mean, maybe there are people that are, are un, unaware or blind to the fact that ministry is a sacrifice before you get into it. But I think once you get into it, you realize it is. It's truly a sacrifice. But it's easy to justify the sacrifice of staying home, staying at the office late, mm-hmm. and having counseling appointments and having board meetings and doing all the things because of the outcome of the fruit that we're moving towards is moving the kingdom forward. Mm-hmm. But what we're actually doing is we are sacrificing our families and placing them on the altar of ministry for the noble cause of ministry. Yeah. And they are our ministry. I'm called to serve my wife first and foremost yeah. before anything else. She's She is my primary ministry. Your spouse out there. Your spouse is your primary ministry, not the church mm-hmm. that you serve, not the ministry that you serve. And it it I think it, the enemy uses the lure of an uh, of a he can use the lure of a growing, exploding, mm-hmm. quote unquote successful ministry in the eyes of men that will that tricks us into thinking it's okay for us not to invest into our primary ministry. I've been around a few pastors, and most of them are recovering people pleasers. Yeah, interesting. They, they live... I don't, you know, su- I don't suffer from that disease. <laughs> you do not. Nope. <laughs> but Keith and I however, absolutely do. However, um, certain roles and certain positions yeah, almost yeah. demand... Mm, yeah. um, it, it, a lot of this goes back to the church culture you're in too. Sure. And we've all worked in some some unique environments and, and they all have... That was know, saying it nicely. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, we want to protect uh, those that have offended. But, um, but again, I think we often work and operate from this impetus that, um, that we need to prove something mm. and that if I'm not seen as doing the thing, then somehow my worth is brought into question. Yep. And that over-functioning and overworking becomes the very disconnect that separates me from that one relationship that will actually sustain ministry. Because what I've found is my marriage, my children, it, it's, it's not just that it's the biggest priority, it's actually the life-giving thing right. that fuels everything else it's the that fountain. I do. It's the life spring. And, and getting that right and right-sizing that in my life has been huge. And it's a journey, but I don't know about you. I mean, our our we have some similarities in our story, Keith. I know for me and my story, I found that when when I disconnected from my wife because I was connecting to the ministry, what also happened is I disconnected from God, mm-hmm. and so there was almost this compounding effect that the more that I focus on the ministry, the more that I did not focus on the things that the two relationships that matter most, God and my wife, I was operating more in my my own strength, my human strength and ability, and not connecting to the life the 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 life flow and power of God mm-hmm. in my ministry. The ministry that I had was built on my talents, my abilities. I got really good at ministry and could just do it, and it was hollow. Mm-hmm. It was empty, and I. I crashed and burned because of it. And there's so there's only so long that you can go down that road without cultivating 
your relationship with God, your relationship with spouse before God loves you enough mm-hmm. for it to catch up with That's you. That's right. It, it's interesting to, to just note for a second that marriage, no matter what your job is, is hard. Mm-hmm. Marriage takes work. Yeah, right. you know, I think I think you know we watch the the romantic comedies, and you know we you know we uh, sit down and and uh, and shame watch The Bachelor, or you know what I mean, whatever you know, and, and and it just feels like it's just supposed to happen. One day you you wake up and you you're in love, and that never goes away, and you always have the butterflies, and <laughs> and forever this this person it has that place in your in your eyes. And the reality is that when you sit down with with people that have been married for 30, 40, 50 years, it, they'll, they'll say, yeah, well, of course, it, it, there's some of that that started, but then we had to work to keep that. We had to work to, to, to prioritize each other. We had to put in the effort. And so what's fascinating to me is, is that in general, it's difficult. No matter what you're doing with your life, it's a thing you have to put that effort into. I would I would just you know put out there even more so in ministry mm-hmm. because you can buy into that lie. Very few now there are workaholics everywhere, okay? Like there are workaholics in every industry. But it is it is more rare it is to have someone who is the manager of a restaurant or an accountant or you know I mean different people that are like, that are like I give my everything to that job. This is a job in ministry that is, it's your friend group, it's your, you know, it's it's your accountability, it's your paycheck, it's your... It's um, every facet of your it's life. It's your self-worth, it, yep. it, it, everything's engaged in it. And so it's it's incredibly easy to have that, not only in the workaholic sense, but also in the fact that when you're working in a ministry, not only, you know, everyone there believes they deserve a piece of you. Yeah. yeah, you are in demand in a way. It's your 24, job to serve them. Yeah, twenty four seven. It feels like right. that if you, if the phone rings or someone and that's needs what I mean you, by people pleasing, right? Yeah, you just run sure. to that need. That, that that's that. If someone needs you, then you're going to do it. Yep. And, and it feels good and to meet feels, the need, and oh. it feels great. It's a great. And you fulfilling. get the feedback from those people saying how valuable it's you like are. Like drugs. And yet you I mean, miss I out know. on. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. It actually is. <laughs> and yet you miss out on. The beauty of uh, of that relationship with your spouse, yes. because something is taken away there, and so I I actually would posit that that it takes more effort to be in ministry and be married than to be out of ministry and be married. It work nonetheless, but yeah. I would say that it, that it likely takes more work. And in and so I, I actually have a um you know a story that comes to mind as we were preparing for this episode where uh you know I. I was speaking at at one of the churches I was on staff with. It was kind of one of those big churches in, on the East Coast, and um, I, I just I was the student pastor, so I spoke, you know, probably seven to ten times a year, and you know, did some different stuff. And um, one of these times, I, I I went up there, and we were talking about you know the 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 wedding feast. That was like the passage we were walking through. And so, as an example, I show you know a picture of my wedding. I see my wife in in the picture. You know, we're 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 talking. It you know, walk through this whole story about invitations and and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. Well, after the service, I I walk out into the lobby like everyone does, you know, and and people are coming up and they're talking to me about different things. And partway through a conversation I was having, my wife walks up and she stands next to me. And again, she was her picture was just you know thirty feet <laughs> you know you know up up on the screens. And the person I was talking to 
and, we, and it's not like we were having like this like amazingly personal conversation. They look over at her with this look of, why are you butting in on my conversation with my pastor? Right. Who do yeah. you think you mm-hmm. are that you should be standing here while I'm talking to him? And, and I mean, and, and, and actually, uh, you know, my wife and I still bring up that moment of like oh just wow. feeling like she was, um, she's other than. Like I'm valued because I'm on staff and she is devalued and maybe even seen as in the way when she comes around because she's wow. not on staff. And there is something happening. We're seeing this in our interview process. Mm-hmm. There are churches that are that are that that would hire someone without talking to their spouse. And at Slingshot we're like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa." Like you have to talk to to her husband before you hire her. Like you you cannot, you know, this yeah. is you're not hiring in a vacuum. And, and again, yeah, they're not just coming to worship. Or rather, they're, they're not coming, just coming to work. They're coming, they're coming to worship, your, right. and they're coming yes. into your community, right? And, and so, and so, it's it is more now. If you're going to get hired at a bank, you don't need to interview my spouse. Nope. But if you're going to hire me at your nonprofit, if you're going to hire me at your kingdom-minded, you know, company, if you're going to be, a, if I'm coming into your church, yeah, you're going to have to have some conversation to make sure yeah. that they're on board too, because there are sometimes. You know, I, I've talked to people who are in, in married relationships where one feels called into ministry and the other doesn't. Yeah. Well, what do you right. do with that? And right. so so there is this 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 big thing that we've got to figure out when it comes to um, our marriages. Yes, Vance, we, we have to choose to cheat on the church yep. more than, you know, so we don't, you know, we're not cheating with the church, you know, on our spouse. Uh, we, we've got to figure out how to lower that number of, I don't want to be part of the 80%. That says that the that the church has negatively affected my family. That it's negatively affected my marriage. Mm-hmm. We've got to put in the work. And you uh, earlier, you know, you talked about this whole idea of like when your ministry is doing really well, mm-hmm. and yet, um, you know, your your marriage is is suffering. Yeah. And I think what's happening is that we're, uh, you know, again, we're suffering in silence. We've talked about we're suffering mm-hmm. on our own because we feel like we can't talk about it. But also that it would take away from the wins that we're getting. Yeah, yeah. And 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 so I have a you know I got the chance to sit down with Albert Tate. Um, if you don't know him, Albert is 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 amazing. He's this really awesome lead pastor at Fellowship Monrovia. Um, you know we got a chance to hear him actually speak at a at a conference, and he spoke on marriages and within ministry. And so that really kind of set us up for wanting to have this conversation with him. And so we talk about that. What happens when when your when your ministry when you're killing it in ministry and yet your marriage is is failing. Yeah. And so uh, I'm excited for everyone to get a chance to listen to this interview. It's 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 such a good one. Albert, thank you for being on the podcast today. Uh, man, we are talking about uh, how our marriages are affected by ministry. Uh, so we're, we're, we're going in shallow waters, you know, we're not, nothing too deep. Just <laughs> nothing marriages too and ministry, yeah. And so... Yeah. Albert, I had the chance to uh, to hear you um, a while back give a talk at a conference on this topic, and it and it stuck with me, and it, it came back up in a conversation that I was recently having, and so I'm excited to to have the chance to dive into this a little bit with you. Um, so, so I want to start maybe more broad, and then we can kind of yeah. narrow in a little bit. And so, um, you've been in ministry. How how long have you been in in ministry now? Um, about 21 years. 21 years of ministry, um, and and right now, you know, lead pastor, senior pastor at Fellowship Monrovia. 
Um, man, I, I would love to get some of your, your, the overview from you. What are you seeing when it comes to um, marriage and ministry out there? What, what, are you, what have you seen and what are you seeing now? Well, you know, first of all, thank you so much for having me on, uh, David. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate Slingshot. Um, so, so glad to be on. Um, you know, marriage and ministry, I'll just tell you, one of the, one of the things that I, when I see that, I think sometimes you can put a VS in between the two. Um, yeah. And merit, ministry becomes the enemy of the marriage. Wow. Uh, ministry becomes the biggest threat to a healthy marriage. Mm. If you don't get that thing managed and get it stewarded well and identify lanes and what wins look like, you will look up and you would have given some of your best years and your best energy to the church hmm. while your wife, your wife and your family has become the sacrificial, the unnecessary sacrificial lambs uh, in yeah. marriage. Yeah, I, man, that's, you know, having the spouse as an unnecessary sacrificial lamb, man, that, that's a, that's a bomb. Oh, what? yo, man, ministry spouses, it's a real thing. Yeah. They they have an experience that is unique to them that we really don't acknowledge much. We really don't give a lot of conversation to. There are no conferences. There are no workshops. There are not a lot of sessions to engage them and to say, how do you deal with your church and ministry being the thing that takes your spouse away? That is wow. the center. Every big holiday, um, your job gets the center of attention. Christmas Eve. Yep. Easter, all, all of that stuff. And the kids, how do you give a framework for the kids and their experience and their narrative? They hear people complain about their parents. They hear people say right. stuff about the church and all that. Stuff. It's a big deal and we don't give a lot of attention to it. So I just appreciate the topic because mm -hmm. they don't always compliment each other in many people's marriages. And sometimes people who are in ministry have terrible, terrible marriages um, because the focus and the priority, like it's your marriage and then you got God, Jesus's bride. So you can make right. up a lot of good excuses to be absent at home because mm. God is calling you, but they're just excuses. And God called you to, to marriage way before ministry family becomes, comes first, not just to say that when we're hiring you to make you feel good about taking this job, right. but for that to be a value and a virtue that we live out as we steward and lead uh, our staff and other pastors how do we really how do we really let them know and affirm that their family matters yeah and and, and i think that's i mean you're hitting something huge if there's something um sometimes it's spoken but oftentimes it is unspoken yeah. that you really should give your first your best to this job you have at the church um to this calling and that uh, your family gets the leftovers. And I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in so many uh, other leaders' lives. You know, wh what are some of the, you know, starting from the individual, what are some of the ways, the individual that's on staff, that they can combat some of that? Well, I go a step further, even before starting with that individual, I would say leaders, pastors, if you're yes, leading okay. an organization, if you have a staff, one of the things that I did and it was so helpful. And the reason why I did it is because I failed at it before I made this decision. So this mm -hmm. isn't this isn't me being grand. This is me being a grand failure and saying, "All right, let me learn from that." We um we had a we had a 
the, the staff and their spouses over at the house for a meal to fellowship and just to say thank you and to celebrate them. And in that, I told them, I said, uh, I talked to the spouses. I said, if, you're, if your ministry spouse, um, I want you to hear this from, from me, um, your family comes first. Hmm. Your family is a priority. So I said uh-huh. it in front of the ministry person, but also said it in front of their spouse. And then I said this, I said, and if your ministry spouse is using the church as an excuse of why they're showing up absent or passive or unengaged Mm. at home, then that ain't us. That's not true. Don't let them use that excuse. And if that becomes a reality, call me. um, That that becomes a reality. Call me and let's have a conversation about their work schedule and their workload. Because a lot of times, to be honest, like the church gets blamed for a lot of stuff that mm-hmm. the church didn't ever do. You really did that. Yes. You didn't set healthy boundaries. You didn't tell the truth about what you were struggling with. You didn't say anything about your marriage not being well. You didn't say anything about having a hard time at home. You're just mm. taking on tasks and showing up inauthentically. So don't blame us now. Don't bring us in the conversation now that you failed miserably and, and messed something up. And now mm. you're saying, well, the church, the church, the church. Yeah, I think the church gets a bad rap a lot of times because we're an easy place to blame. Um, But I think it's important for the spouse, uh, for the ministry spouse and the leadership to establish boundaries and to have conversations about, we say family first, well, what does that mean for Easter when I got to be at church all day on Easter? Well, yeah, you ain't gonna be with your family on Easter, but on Monday, take everybody off and go to Disneyland on Monday. Or the next week or two weeks before Easter, say, hey, Easter's coming. Let's have a big family dinner two weeks before because we know we won't be able to do it when everybody else is doing it. There are ways to compensate it. There are ways to do it. You work at a church, bro. So you're not going to be off on Sundays. You're not going to be sitting in the audience with your wife. So lament that, accept that. Uh, You work at a church, sis. Your husband's not going to be able to just, oh, I just want to sit what you do in worship. Yeah, I run kids ministry. That's not not who I am. Mm -hmm. But there are some other things you can do. There are yeah. some other ways you can compensate for that. And it's you, it's your responsibility to initiate that. Yeah. I'm going to flip my phone around here because it's upside down. I need to charge it. But, you're, so you're don't good. get busy. Don't yeah, get busy. Good. Cool. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I, I like that you're putting the, the, the onus on the individual. I think that there are a few things at play that you, that you referenced. And, and so, um, and just even to touch on a couple of them. One, you know, it, I love that you not only told your staff, that's not us, but you told um, the staff's family, their spouse, that that's not us. And I yes. think that's an important distinction because, you know, it, it's, it's, it's important um, because there's some accountability there. There's, there's a way for them both to be holding that marriage together, together, you know, I mean, it, and, and instead of waiting yes, yes. for one person to do it or, or what so many, cause right ministry, um, it, it, it attracts so many, uh, leaders, but we can also, uh, substitute that word leader with workaholic, uh, oftentimes. And so it, it attracts these leaders who love to work, who get self-worth out of working, um, on something as important as what's happening in the church. And it, and it's easy to neglect that. And so, so you're giving them away almost another, another person in the marriage to be able to have some accountability there. And I think that's huge. Yeah. Where are you seeing, um, where are you seeing that, uh, play out where, 
Uh, I mean, do you have an instance, you know, obviously without names, or do you have a, um, any, any type of example where you're seeing marriages that are getting to the brink and maybe that spouse or someone raises the flag, that leader raises the flag, and what are the kinds of things they're doing to come and get back on track? Because I think that's what's happening. I think they're getting out there and then they're unwilling or unable or embarrassed to, to wave the flag saying we're in trouble. And so when are you seeing it done well? Yeah, well, there are a couple of things that we've learned along the way after failure, trial, mistake, getting it together, getting it right. I just realized the calendar is never going to get free, mm-hmm. uh, although it is now, though. So yeah. so Corona has, has totally changed the game. But even in that, though, you yeah. can get so you can busy yourself even when you're quarantined at home. Um, you got to make the marriage a priority. It's got to be an intentional decision that you both look at each other in the eyes and make it and then say, and this is what we, this is what that looks like mm-hmm. for my wife and I, uh, once a week on Tuesday nights, we go on a date. Yeah. Um, and we say, we're going to connect, uh, with no kids with no, and we're going to, we're going to create a structure to support that. So childcare, uh, a little budget to cover childcare and that thing. Although the Lord worked it out, we had someone volunteer and say, Hey, I heard your value about Tuesday nights. I'll volunteer to watch your kids every Tuesday night. So wow. yeah. there you go. And you don't have to always go out and spend money, but it's finding a way to grab one another and look at each other in the eye and sit with your spouse, the person you fell in love with mm-hmm. once a week. Because if you don't, they, if you don't, if you don't grab your girlfriend once a week or your boyfriend once a week and hold his hand and, and look into her eyes, then you'll find that you're living with your roommate, yeah, or you're ships, living with a with a cohort. Oh yeah, and there's no connection, and it's so busy. Soccer, you got drama, you got this pickup, you got the work project, you got school, you got that. Yeah. You look up and six months go by, you hadn't hadn't had any intimacy, no sex. No conversation, no deep value conversation. Hmm. Hadn't seen each other in a way and in a hope to affirm the work that they're doing or anything. So you're literally going unseen with mm-hmm. someone that you're in the bed with every single night. That's yeah. a rough, that's a rough way to live. Yeah, yeah, absolutely it is. So so those are some things that you can do to kind of basically setting marriage as a priority and then mm-hmm. defining how this how this lands. What are some practical steps? Date nights conversations, intentionally being with one another, um, scheduling sex so that we can connect intimately and make sure that we don't look up in a half a year or two years have gone by. You'll be amazed how many sexless marriages there are in ministry. Absolutely. You, you will be amazed. Yeah. That's fascinating. Um, one of the things that we hear when we talk to leaders about the, some of the struggle in, in their marriage is that, um, you know, you referenced it when you talked about the kids, but I think this happens with the spouse as well, that, that, that the spouse is hearing this criticism about their uh, husband or their wife. They don't like the way they run their ministry. They don't like, like the way they speak. They don't like, I mean, they're hearing all this criticism. Um, and, and really, again, it's, that's something that just happens in ministry. You know, it's, uh, uh, you are at, in some ways, the mercy of how people feel like you're doing. Um, how, how would you recommend handling that within the marriage context? I mean, do you, you know, when you, when you get that really rough email, do you come home and talk to your wife about that rough email? Do you share that burden? Is it something that you protect her from? I mean, I've, I've heard both, um, as, as ways of doing this and I'm sure it's case by case, but I'd be curious what you've seen work in, in your life. Yeah, it all depends on how it's landing with me. If it's catastrophic with me, if it's on a high level 
or if it's if it's personal and it's really affecting me deeply, mm-hmm. then I'll share that because it'll help me. It'll help her carry me through it. Mm. Uh, there's some things that just happen that just suck. It's weird. It's yeah. jacked up. I can't believe they did that. I, they said something really stupid in a meeting today. That 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 pissed me off. You know yeah. that kind of stuff. I don't bring a lot of that stuff home because here's the deal. I I'm living in that world. We'll work it out and be fine by Saturday night. Right. But my wife hasn't had the benefit of processing it in real time. Hmm. So she hadn't had the benefit to see that other person's perspective, hear their, uh, hear their experience, their journey. All that. so there's a, there's a natural thing that happens when you're just working with people and tracking with people, mm-hmm. where you're just gonna get banged up. It's just little shifts gonna come, or somebody's gonna say something stupid. A uh, choir lady is gonna write an email. I don't have to put that all on my wife because I'll get over it and be worked out. But now I've created a block for her because mm-hmm. you know my wife. She's she's not gonna like that. And she's not going to have a deep appreciation for the person that said those things. You know what I mean? Maybe your wife has some extra spiritual anointing, but my wife loves me so much. If anybody comes for me, I'm sorry. She just got my back and that's a real thing. So I don't want to create that in her and give Mm -hmm. her something extra. She got to now take to the cross because I didn't take it to the cross before I brought it home. So my thing is take it to the cross before you bring it home. And if it's still heavy and you're still struggling it, share it with your spouse. So that way your spouse can help you take it to the cross. You know what I mean? But I I, I just try to gauge it. I just try to gauge it. Yeah. Well, and I I actually like the, you know, almost the boundaries that you put on it. I mean, it's, you know, the answer is not, it's not always do this or always do this. I mean, there are times that that we have partners for a reason and we need our partner to walk with us and carry that load with us because of the way it's affecting. Um, there are other times that we should protect them. And I, and I like that, yep. you know, again, I, I feel like when I talk to people in, in ministry, most will give me an, an always and never answer, always protect or always, or never, um, you know, hold it back. And, and, and especially in my generation right now, people coming up in ministry, we have this idea that if we don't share everything with our significant other, that we are not being real or we're being fake in some way. And, and I, you know, again, I just keep having conversations with young leaders saying, man, it's, it's, it's not about being fake. It's about being wise. It's about understanding the relationship. And I love the way that you put that, Uh, you know, why give it to her um, or him when, when that's happening in your world? I mean, when you could do it and in those times that it's overwhelming, then share the burden. I think that's a beautiful way of looking at it. I like that a lot. Yeah. 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 No, that's good. Um, you know, when you have, uh, you know, you are, you know, you're a lead pastor now and you you mentioned this up at at the top of our time together, but I'd love a little bit more on this. Um, I, you know, you kind of talked about a lot of times the church, it gets a bad rap and there's this thing happening within the church where, uh, whether it's, it's, it's implied or, or it's real, you know, we actually have created, um, some of these things or, or our employees believe that we want them to sacrifice their marriages for the sake of our, of our churches. What are some of the things that you've put in place with your staff, um, whether official, you know, mandates from on high or, or ways you're encouraging your staff to really invest in their marriages? And how are you setting the tone for that um, on your team? Well, I mean, the best thing I can do is number one, have a good marriage myself mm-hmm. um, and invest in my marriage and invest in my kids. If they see me, um, 
never being present, never being engaged with my family, regardless of what I say, they're going to respond to what I do. And they're going to think, oh, Albert says it, but then he's not ever with his family. He's not ever, his marriage is terrible. She, his wife, you know what I mean? His kids are, the, it, then they're going to take their cue from me and do what I do and not do what I say. So my biggest thing is to actually have a healthy marriage um, and actually Good. invest to try to have a healthy family um, and set those priorities. And I travel quite a bit. I'm a, I'm a really busy person, but it's not about a, it's not about a busyness, although that could, that could affect it for sure. But it's, it's about an attentiveness and, mm authentic authenticity you can just hang out with a couple and tell if it's real you know what i mean if they got a good yeah. marriage or it's like yeah y'all don't like each other you know what i mean so i think yeah. number one modeling it uh intentionally um you know working at a church it should be hard work it, sure. sh it should be sacrificial you should go home tired mm -hmm. you should have moments where you're overwhelmed. We we daily tell the greatest story that's ever been told, and we're snatching people out of the out of the gates of hell and bringing mm -hmm. them into eternal hope and peace. That should not be an easy gig. Right. So you got to have a calling, and your spouse. I would encourage you to share that calling. And if you don't share that calling, I'd start doing the hard work of trying to figure out how we can share it in counseling and having those conversations because it's going to be hard to do this and have a healthy marriage if you don't, both don't have a sense of calling to it. Mm -hmm. um, my wife is just as much as called to plant this church as I am because without her doing what she does, there's no way I get to do what I can do. If she's not up front right now doing homeschool with our kids, telling people to be quiet, sit down and washing dishes and getting ready for dinner tonight while she's in seminary herself, Wow. studying and trying to figure out how to write a paper. If she's not doing that, then I'm not doing this. I can't encourage pastors and encourage leaders if she's not doing that. And then we're going to flip in a couple of hours. I'm going to take the kid. She's going to go out and she's going to go to the office and she's going to write a paper on spiritual formation. Mm -hmm. And I'm going, I'm getting a degree with her. So I'm in seminary because she in seminary. She right. church planting because I'm church planting. So we're in it together. If you don't have that kind of vibe and camaraderie in your marriage and in your household, yeah. you're just going to keep bumping into each other. You're going to just going to keep running into the tension. And that elephant is just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So practicing authenticity as a leader of the organization, I've just realized in the last year or two, number one, again, because I've done it wrong, when the spouse checks out of church, set the clock, your ministry, your pastor is going to start, is going, is going, they're on their way out. They're on wow. their way out. Set the clock, set wow. the clock. If they don't quit, they'll disengage to a certain degree. Hmm. So I've recognized, oh, wow. A part of sustaining staff in, in, in job security with staff, we've got to invest in their spouses and make sure that their spouses are engaged and appreciate our organization. Because if our spouses don't appreciate our appreciate the organization, then there's no way you're going to go home to that every day and give everything you got at work mm -hmm. because your spouse is going to be like, yeah, I don't believe in it. I don't support it. Or that last run in you had that you told me about, I ain't got over it yet. So I'm ticked at them for, 
you know what I mean? So it, yeah. so I've learned as a leader, pay attention to the spouse, pay mm. attention to the spouse, engage the spouse, serve the spouse, love the spouse, set the spouse up for wins. They, the spouse should be excited when they see you coming because we love what's happening in our church. We love what you're doing and in, in, investing into my husband and into my wife. They, but if they, if they ain't showing up to stuff, if you can't get them, if they're not around, if they're disengaged, then uh, you're in trouble. You all trouble is on the way. Yeah, man, I love that. At, at, at Slingshot, we, you know, obviously we we've placed, you know, thousands of of pastors uh, across the 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 country, and um, man, we we tell every organization, whether nonprofit or church, uh, do not hire this person until you meet their spouse. Do not yeah. hire them. I mean, you, you know, now you're not hiring their spouse. Uh, no, nope. that, let's let's not let's. It's not, you know, pretend that that's where we're at. That's, but they will influence a lot of what's happening within that new hire that you have. And if they're not in, or if they don't feel cared for, or if they don't feel seen, then it will not go well long term. Someone will be able to fake it for a little while, but they will not be able to, to go long term. So I love the way you know you say set the clock. Um, you know, I've seen that in so many uh, ministries where all of a sudden. Uh, you know, that spouse fades into the background and, and, and there is, there's a clock set. That person's not going to last there that much longer. Um, yeah. Yeah. What, when you, when you are bringing on someone new, what are, what are a couple of ways that you show value to that, that significant other, that, that marriage? What are ways that, you know, uh, again, you talk about, um, you know, letting them know what you value, but what are a couple other ways that you do that? Well, I mean, the best way to do that is to be able to have real time, real life examples that we can point them to. Number one, our marriage and my wife, uh, other couples on staff and having them engage other couples so that so that they can give them the real and say, this is what it's like being a part of a church. This is what it's like working and having your spouse having to run programming on Sundays and Wednesdays um, and sometimes having to travel and go to conferences and you become a single spouse. Um, because they're traveling and working, and this is what that means. But here are the joys of it. Here's how we come alongside one another. Here's how mm-hmm. sweet the fellowship is. Uh, here's how we care for one another. Here's how we celebrate and party together. So I think just having people that are experiencing it. The problem is, if it's not happening, it's, it's going to be hard to sell it. But if it's happening, you can point anywhere in the building and see there's fruit from our investment in, in couples and that. spouses. I love that. Um, Albert, give me just kind of a final thought here, you know, as we wrap up our conversation um, and there's somebody listening right now who is, is leaning in because they, they see the signs that there's wear on their, on their marriage and and they, 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 they desperately want to bring strength to it. Um, You know, what, what, what would that last piece of advice be to that person that's listening right now that you would just say, Hey, you know, uh, think about this as you move forward? What, what, what would that be for you? There's absolutely nothing more important to your ministry than your marriage. Mm. Absolutely. Because here's the deal, bro. We lose our marriage. We can lose our jobs. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're spiritual, but let's just talk. Let's just talk in the flesh. Let's just talk practical. Let's just be carnal. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, a healthy marriage is job security. Wow. If you don't believe that marriage matters, you screw up that marriage and end up in divorce court and see how long you can keep that job. Yeah. And that's, that's, I mean, that's not my final thought, but I just want to put that out there to say, yo, this is, this is important. Number one. But the biggest thing is life is too short. God is too good 
for you to exist in a horrible marriage, for you mm. both to be filled with the spirit of the Lord and say that you are followers of Jesus Christ and have a jacked up marriage is an oxymoron. It is, it is a waste. It is ridiculous. Why? Because God is right there. He can bring healing. He can bring hope. He can bring restoration to that marriage. You serve the God of all creation. If his hand of grace can't do it, it cannot be done. And I'm telling you, his hand of grace could do it. So why would you sit there in a marriage, be this unengaged, be this frustrated, and have the power of the holy resurrection power of God dwelling within you? Yo, bring that to bear on your marriage. Stop everything. Bring bring your spouse in, sit them down, let them listen to this podcast and say, we got to go get counseling right now. I know it's Corona online. Let's FaceTime. Let's, let's Zoom counseling right mm. now. But you can't unleash the hand of God's grace and bring it to bear in your marriage if you're not telling the truth about where you are. It's beautiful. Confession is not for God to know where you are. Confession is for uh, you to give an opportunity to tell the truth about where you are, mm. for you to be honest about where you are so that you can invite God in. So stop everything. Don't let another day go by without you saying, you know what? Our marriage is not a priority and we got to change that today. Get on a calendar, write it down and say, today's the day that we decided to turn our marriage around and then start doing the daily hard work. And if you think that's easy, you're crazy. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be frustrating, but it's going to be worth it because your most valuable asset, your most valuable, the most valuable thing you have is your relationship with God and your relationship with your spouse Mm. in that order. And if you live in that order and prioritize it, I'm telling you, God's hand of grace will get in that marriage and he can take a losing team and turn it into a winning team because that's what the power of the resurrection is all about. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Albert, man, I I really appreciate you being with us today and talking about this incredibly important topic. Um, How how can people find you if they're looking for you on social or if they're looking for any of the projects that you're involved in? How how do people find you? Well, I'm at home. I ain't going nowhere. I ain't (laughs) ain't going nowhere. You can't find me. No, No, Albert Tate on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, at Albert Tate. Hook me up. Follow me. Uh, check out my uh, podcast. Uh, and I'm doing a daily, yo, I'm doing this daily devotional hmm. deal. It's called Good News Today, uh, morning devotions with Pastor Albert Tate. So That's you good. can come on uh, our church, Made for Fellowship, and follow those daily devotionals as well. We're having a fun time out here, man. It's good. I love it, man. I appreciate you. And, uh, and, and we'll be, uh, if you're listening now on Slingshot Group, um, we got a story coming up that you're not going to want to miss. And so stay tuned for that. Albert, I appreciate you, my friend. Thank you so much. We're coming to that time in the podcast where we want to slow down for a minute. Let go of all of the major decisions that we're trying to make in our ministries and just enjoy a story. So we've invited some of our favorite people to come in and share a story from the front lines of ministry that we can all enjoy and relate to. And so sit back and enjoy today's story. Hello, my name is Matt Swifty Perry. And I'm going to tell a story about my very first basketball game. I was six years old, and I looked in the mirror, and I put on my very first green jersey. And when I looked into the mirror, 
what I saw was my favorite basketball player, Tracy McGrady. I had all the thoughts of making the game-winning shots. And now was the first time I was going to go walk into a gym and play my very first game. I get into the car as my parents are driving us to the gym. And I'm squirming around, not knowing how to feel. Anxious, excited, scared, nervous. I had so many thoughts going through my head. I get to the gym and I walk in. And I see all of the parents cheering their kids on from the game before mine. I smelt the popcorn, I smelt the nacho cheese, and it brought me to this moment that I had dreamed of, making the game-winning shot. As I walked in and I saw my team stretching on the side, I go and join them, doing stretches that I can barely touch my toes with. I get all loose and ready to go. We start the pre-game warm-ups. I jump into the layup line, they pass me the ball and I missed. My first warm-up shot. I shook it off. I said it was the nerves. Then the game starts. Tip-off happens, and I'm sitting on the bench, being younger than the other boys. The first quarter goes. The second quarter goes, and I'm watching the game, seeing, okay, when I get in, I'm going to shoot it here, and and I'm going to score here, making my game plan. Halftime happens. I did not get to play at all. The coach said, Matt, next quarter, you're going in to start the second half. I get ready and I check in to the game. But what somebody didn't tell me is that you switch sides the next half. So I go into the game and they pass me the ball. And the first thing I do is I shoot and I make it in the other opponent's basket. My very first point, I scored. But I scored for the other team. Nobody told me you switch in the second half. I scored in the other team's basket. That was my very first time I scored a basket in my years of playing basketball. But that mistake was my first time with a learning opportunity. I learned, wow, next time I go in, I got to switch sides. I got to switch baskets. And that is my very first basketball game. So on behalf of David Vance and the whole crew at Slingshot Group, I want to say thanks for going on this ride with us and for giving us your feedback along the way. We'd love to hear from you about ways that we can continue providing great content that is both relevant and meaningful to the work that you do. To make sure you never miss out on an episode, subscribe to our channel wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also keep up with us on our social media channels and at slingshotgroup.org. And there you'll find all of our tools and resources and learn how we can come alongside you in staffing and coaching. We're also excited about the recent launch of the Improv Leadership Book by our very own Stan Endicott and David Miller. Be sure to pick up your copy wherever books are sold. Well, that's all for now. So until next time. Thank you for joining us this week on the Slingshot Group podcast. We invite you to continue the conversation with us on social media. You can find Slingshot Group on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, be sure to visit us at slingshotgroup.org 
to find out more about how we build remarkable teams through staffing and coaching. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the Slingshot Group podcast so you'll never miss a show. Until next time.